Do you think that your life is missing something? Is there something that you need to enhance your psychological development? Well, come on down to the... No. <laughs> Because today is a very special. Well, yeah, yeah, it is. I, th- I think it's a special podcast for you. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a special one for me because I get to interview someone who I would never have interviewed ever, but have probably had more conversations with than anybody. And so this is. And before it sounds lazy, because some people are going to say, "What? This guest is related to him? Is that not?" We had very clear reasons, and actually, it was you who suggested this person. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I have, I have a lot of respect for your father. Yeah, it's my, it's my dad. And I always, always had very interesting small conversations with him. Yeah. And I thought it'd be great to have a nice long debate. Yeah. And we did. Yeah, we yeah. had that. We had a very enjoyable time. Yeah. Um, coffee was good. Coffee was made by me. Yeah, Trevor making coffee. Mm-hmm. Instant. He's, he's grown up. We'll soon I, get you that I, cafeteria. Boy. The trick is yeah. the spoon. Is it? Yeah, because when you're pouring in there, it just doesn't work. It's too much or too little. But yeah. the spoon defines it as a quantity of something. <laughs> very, prof- very, uh, <laughs> very uh, philosophical. But uh, it is. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, it's my dad, and he's gonna, yeah, without giving too much away, he's a man of science and a man of religion. So it's an interesting one from a theological and a scientific debate. So enjoy. Yeah, enjoy. Oh, and there's not actually. Any bad language? No, I managed for well one done, episode <laughs> without swearing. Yeah, so this is uh, this is episode ten. Mannerisms. Okay, yeah. So when I was um, <coughs> when I was teacher training, I had to do something kind of similar as well. Mm. Where I, do you remember that? What when you were teacher training? Yeah, I had to film myself and then look back at what I was doing to. Oh yeah. Oh I, yes, that's right. So did you? So what, what? What was the thing when you started doing your theological training then? That. Well, it was just there was just more of an awareness, I think, by that stage that the personality of the vicar. Yeah. Uh, might not be left to chance. Yeah. So, um, so you were filmed um, giving a sort of interview like this. Yeah. And you're also, in case you were ever on TV or wireless, as we called it in the <laughs> <laughs> different wireless. Uh, and also, also in the pulpit in the church. Yeah. 
Uh, and it was handy. It, it picked up a, a, an awkward mannerism I had in those days, uh, oh. and, and I eliminated it. <laughs> from... oh. Do you mind saying what it was? Or would you rather yeah, it was a habit. Self? It was a habit of pursing the lips. Really? <laughs> wow. And, and when how, you made a good point. What? And so how much, like, mm. you had a train for that. Like how much, how much time did you have to spend to try and uh, get rid of that mannerism? Oh, no. um, you gradually sort of phased it in in ordinary life. I, I didn't sort uh, so of, it just, I wasn't it, shaving in the morning going, mustn't. <laughs> uh, uh, so it gave yeah. you, you were self-aware of it there and then you just worked on it yeah, yeah, from then yeah. on. Oh, okay. I think yeah. that's an important skill probably in the job that you're in because you have to become, you do have to do a lot of critical and self-reflection. Not a lot, not a lot. But it, it was in those days, 40 years ago, they were just getting aware of, of, the, of the importance of this. I mean, in fact, think mannerisms, like awkward mannerisms can distract, detract, distract, mm. uh, and actually make you appear to be saying something you're not. Oh. Which my yeah. mannerism made me uh, look like not so much a confident person, but a smug person. Ah. <laughs> and it, and ah. That's interesting. <laughs> that's you put right. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. There's a similar thing um, when I was trained to be a counsellor. It wasn't done with cameras, but uh, when I was trained to be a counsellor, uh, I used to have a habit from younger days of folding my arms sometimes, do you know, if conversation was going on a bit, I'd fold my arms. Ah, which of course is a sign of... Which a lot of people would interpret as a sign of disapproval yes. and aggression. Mm. Yes, you know, and so, defence. And defence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all those sort of wrong things. So, but, and so even now, you're asking how long did I practice? Even now I still have to... I, when, as my arms start to creep up towards my chest, I, to, I put them down. That's very interesting. I've and, never noticed. And, a more, and a, another one I tend to do is, used to do is this. You, you shouldn't put your hand in front of your face. That, that sort of gives, that's all sorts of unhelpful things. And do you think changing these mannerisms changed your personality as well? Did it have an implicit effect on how you behaved in other aspects? Well, in... in, in it does. It does because it makes you uh, because you're having to cha make changes in your personality, which is a pretty can be a pretty irritating thing to have to do. <laughs> yeah. um, you, <laughs> you, you have to understand why, and have to think. You know, no, you're actually probably intimidating somebody, uh, or you're you're actually conveying that you you're not interested, yeah. or all these sort of things. Sorry, I'm just turning off. Like looking at your phone. phone. No, I'm turning it off. Turning it off. Turning <laughs> it off. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. <clears throat> turning it off. That's very interesting. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, how, and so, when you were training to be a priest, then, or a minister, or whatever they want to, whatever the yeah, yeah. say, um, was that a big part of the training as well? Aside from just the religious kind of aspect and the theological aspects of it? No, in those it, those days, it's pretty much a new thing, okay. uh, a sort of uh, an uh, icing on a cake, yeah, almost an improvement rather yeah. than actual fundamental thing. Yeah, because in my in my job. That's a big part of it. We would have been told a lot about body language and oh, about right. how you can, you know, uh, implicitly exert kind of like a kind of control over the <coughs> space by the way you place yourself or how you carry yourself or what way you, you know, yeah. hold your hold Do you think? Body. Do you think teachers of the generation before me knew that instinctively? I think good teachers do it instinctively. Uh, and I, think yeah. that's, I think that's one thing where people talk about natural talents for things yeah. is that people who carry themselves in a certain way yeah. Uh, confidence, even if they don't, but they carry themselves in a certain way, can they exert confidence uh, or display confidence. And then, then when they go into a classroom, like we were talking the other day about how uh, he noticed something in one particular teacher he had that was very similar 
to Ron Liscavage of the Scientology fame. Oh, yeah. And the way he goes in, he's like all a, arms like a, open. Yeah, like and a on the table, leaning open, yeah. you know, to say, you know, you're almost gathering this huge mass of people into your, you know, into your comfort. Or whatever, yeah, you know? a lot of charisma. Mm. Yeah, you know, you had a lot of charisma to, to draw in the audience. Mm. But there's a certain amount of skill to that um, compared to a lot of the Irish clergymen I, I would know. I move my arms around a lot more yeah. uh, in when I take a service uh, because I, I, I always think it, it sounds flat if a chap just stands there and says, good morning, everybody. Yeah. We will now sing the first hymn. Uh, um, that's that's perfectly. If I'm talking to you two, mm, let's sing a hymn now. But it's, it's, um, but, it, but, it, but a room full of people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know. Well, I noticed this especially with our last the, the last bishop and our current bishop. Yeah. When Ken Clark used to give a sermon, he would walk into the middle of the church to do it. <coughs> and then I noticed our current bishop Farron does the same thing. But then sometimes he stands in the. Pulpit. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the actual then, special standing place. But then I've place. also seen him where he stood and he's gone through the church like he's almost in a classroom. He's yes, <laughs> yes, he moves. But I like, from both of them, I like the fact that they don't always do the same thing. So you're always engaged on what they might be doing. And so that then draws you into their words. Yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, these are skills that I think a lot of people do implicitly without no well they're, they're doing it explicitly obviously they're showing it to people mm. but they're doing it in a way that's implicit so they don't realize they're doing it and then these are the things that True. draw people in yeah if it's authentic to your personality uh, otherwise that, there's a big difference between the showman and the person who's actually this this is why i've said i i was surprised i had a teacher at school who i discovered later on wasn't actually fully teacher trained and mm. they were a great teacher mm. and i think that there are people who have these skills i think mm. if you want everybody to do a job, everybody, then you, there is some training required. And I think if you want to improve in certain aspects you're not good at in your job, then training is required. But I do believe there are some people who have yeah. these skills. And but, but is it like people who have a natural music ability? They need training because you, you, your innate ability only goes so far. Well, I think it's... The, the yeah. self-taught piano player can only go up to a, a certain point. Mm. And then needs how to play a sonata or whatever. Yeah, you know. I, I suppose it depends on what the the, the musician wants to play. Mm. So I mean, if the musician is only interested in playing boogie woogie piano tunes that they've learned from listening to boogie woogie piano recordings, mm. then <coughs> that's you know it depends what 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 they want to get out of it, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah. And yeah. um, what what wh how old were you when you went to? Because I've asked you these questions before, but they've they've gone from my mind. Yeah, how yeah. old were you when you when you went to become a to train when I went to clergy. university Cram, in second time in Durham yeah yeah uh, I would I was 1975 I'd be 22 so I, I'd been to university once to, to do science and then I'd done a bit of industrial training to which was the last section of that training yeah um, uh, and then I started on home started again at age 22 and did three years at college again so did you do three years or four years in when you're doing your science degree uh, that was three. That was, was three, three in those oh. days for a bachelor's And you degree. went to college at 18? Uh, 1970, 70, right? 71. Yes, yeah. that's right. <laughs> you know you're getting older when you have to remember what you <laughs> yeah. to calculate your age at the time. But I actually do the opposite. I mean, people said to me, when did you leave school? And I always have to go, well, I was 18, so that was 2007. Mm. So I do it the other way. I work back from my age, whereas you remember the year and then calculate your age. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I used to have a terrible habit, used to draw, driving your mother mad, uh, in that people would say, what year did you get married? 
And I would go, well, I was ordained in 1978, <laughs> so uh, I got married the year before that. Wow. <laughs> but now I'm older and more accustomed to being both uh, a husband and a priest that I actually, I actually know the time I got married. You yeah, know, yeah. I, as a person, uh, I, I realise my relationship and my family life it, it is much more important than when I was young mm. and starting out and wanting to change the world. Yes. Um, that seemed to be my first focus, yeah. even though I had a wife and children, you know, it yeah. sort of... And with, uh, you, with yeah. the religious uh, kind of aspect of your, of your life, did you feel when you were going into the ministry you were going to change the world? And if so, I mm. want to say when you were going to do your science thing, did you similarly think from a scientific <laughs> background... David Catterall is going to do something in science that is going to change the world. Do you, I mean, is that what you thought? I think so, yeah. Uh, you've just struck me, it just struck me. It kind of means I failed in two But no, actually, I did. I, when I, even though I was in industry, industry in a chemistry lab for only a couple of years, I did actually discover a couple of things about the way they were doing the work yeah. in that research facility that was probably not helpful and so I asked well I did save him some money so I, <laughs> I remember you telling me this yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah but I think everybody wants to change the world like, yeah. well I think so I think that's whatever. what you're for isn't it mm. if, if you don't dream yeah. big then yeah. what, what do you aspire to yeah yeah like that, that, that's the thing like when you get into something there like, just say you wanted to be a, a racing car driver mm. and you start off in a go-kart or whatnot like you always aspire to Formula One, something professional, or rallying, you know. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. You know, so if you don't dream that way, you're not going to get I think up we all point. started kicking a football, well, at least for me, I started kicking a football after I'd seen Man United play. Yeah. And you you and aspire then, to that. Yeah, and you? then you pretend to be one of the star players. Yeah. Should I, I'm Ryan Giggs. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's true, but I can't tell you. But you didn't change the world with the football, though. No, 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 no. <laughs> but I mean, you do, I mean, every person has a, has some, should have some sort of sphere of influence about the community that they're involved in because yeah. otherwise why be involved yeah yeah sure you know and then i think if we're not involved we do crave this kind of we do crave interaction at least as i find i gotten older i i thought i was a much more uh we talked about you know in, introvert and extrovert and i always thought i was a much more of a of an introvert in the traditional sense than i can work on my own but actually you tell me i'm an extrovert and that i draw strength from yeah yeah these, these words uh, these words as cg young defined them was it's where you look for strength where you turn when you're feeling a bit down um or where you're turning to get extra pleasure so the extrovert looks outside himself to his friends to enjoy life, but also to get support. And then people can then confuse that with outgoing, because yeah, yeah. then people who turn yeah. to other people generally are socially more They outgoing. do, they do. But that's not always That's true. where the confusion came yeah. in. So, but but it becomes very important when, you, when, you, when you're trying to, be trying to be strong. If you're, you know you're an extrovert guy, you say, oh God, I feel low. I'll go and chill out with my friends and yeah. talk this over with them. Yeah. Uh, and that, you know, you're doing that and that's, that's where your strength comes from. Now, an introverted man like me, the last thing he wants to do is sit along with other people. That, uh, that's confusing. Yeah. <laughs> I go yeah. on my own and sort things out. Yes. Uh, and yeah. I, think, I, think, I think being extroverted and being an extrovert are probably two different things. Yeah, I think yeah, if you're extroverted, yeah. then you're a socially outgoing person. But yeah. I think if you are an extrovert, you gather. Because yeah, yeah, I would yeah. say that I'm introverted in my behaviour, but I'm an extrovert in terms of how I... Yeah, like you're If sociable. there's a crowd of people, of 100 yeah. people in a room, and uh, nobody knows anybody, I will be the last person to talk to someone, because that's just not how I behave. Yeah. But when I do get to know people, I will be talking yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So... And um, 
what was your general science degree in? Was it a general science degree? No, no, it was in chemistry and uh, specialised in analysis. You know, there's two ways to do chemistry. There's making stuff yeah. and finding out what's in stuff. <laughs> and we sort of divide, divide chemistry into those two disciplines. Yeah. I was the more finding out what's in, in the stuff. Uh, guy, uh, analytical. And he's still like that now, even? You know? Oh, yeah, I've never shrugged that off. Um, I'm, I find it a lot easier to say to say what needs putting right than actually finding the answer. <laughs> <laughs> ah, okay. And so I don't think that's a case of, I mean, I don't think that's like, you know, it's easier to poke holes than actually do better yourself. I don't, it's not quite the same as that. I just find creating original ideas is harder for me. I'm very, but I'm very good at working out what needs to be done next? Okay, so once uh, the ball is rolling, but once know, the ball, yeah. uh, um, but once the ball starts rolling, I have to hand over to somebody who's an original creative. Oh, okay. And you did three three years in that, and it was chemistry, and then you worked for one year. Yeah, in the aircraft industry. Was that exciting? Uh, it was. It made chemistry very uh, relevant because uh, you were actually contributing to the aircraft industry yeah. uh, and things like Concorde and various other projects, um, uh, together with some industrial engines. Yeah. Um, to, to getting them working hundred percent, you 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 best use chemistry for that. Yeah. To actually measure how, how much exhaust. What it, what year did you study that? Uh, Roughly now, was it? Early 70s. Yeah, yeah. I think, what is it, the late 60s, that's whenever it kind of boomed. Like, that's whenever there was so much innovation. and. Yeah. Well, yeah. it was certainly the Concorde age. Yeah, yeah. I found that fascinating. I watched the documentary. You know, mm. America was doing the same. You know, they were they were up in the skies oh, yeah. with the whole Cold War thing. And they were, oh, you yes, know, uh, yeah. testing the limits of Mac. You know uh, yes, how fast yeah. airplanes could go. Well, like Mac three, Mac four, Mac, Mac five. Yeah. Yeah. Britain was doing the same. They were having their own innovations for spy planes and whatnot because mm. we were closer to the the to Russia. Mm. I found documentaries like that fascinating. So that would have been a very exciting time. Yeah. Well, comparatively speaking, yeah, yeah. It was also a slightly scary time because it wasn't that long since Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Yeah. So there was a great sense that you know the world could disappear. Yeah. The following year. With yeah. some mad guy pushing the wrong button. Yeah, um, it, it's amazing. Even when I, at a young age, there, I remember something like that. I remember mm. there was like a letter came in the post, and I was like, "What is that?" And it was it was tablets or something. Mm. That Do you if that? they did, yes, yeah, iodine. Yeah, if yeah. if the bombs dropped, you had to take these tablets. Yeah, and I couldn't work out at the time there. I was like, "Why would somebody want to?" You know, I was young and yeah, impressionable. Yeah, yeah. I was like, it's "Why would obvious. why would anybody want to do yeah. that?" Yeah, I don't think it's obvious at all. Yeah. <laughs> but that's for me. Well, well, yeah. the the iodine tablets contain harmless iodine. Oh no, not the iodine. The bit about the dropping the bombs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, is how it? does the iodine actually work? I mean, does it turn starch in your body blue black or something? <laughs> 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 do you remember that from the first year? Oh. The test for starch in a potato. Oh yeah, yeah. drop yeah, yeah. iodine. If it goes blue back, there's starch. Yeah. If it doesn't, yeah. there ain't. <laughs> if I remember correct, is the idea is that your your body's going to try and pick up iodine as it goes along, and it's better to pick up harmless iodine from the tablet than the radioactive iodine that's been caused by the mm. bomb. Okay, uh, and, and then the amount of nuclear radiation that's now in the atmosphere and in the surrounding area. I mean, if, if the iodine doesn't get you, then the cancers and the tumours <laughs> and the vast well, array yeah. will... Yeah, I think it was a bit, it was sort of half half a, half an attempt was better than nothing. Yeah, well, I suppose, so yeah, I mean, yeah. And all this business about hiding under the table and painting the windows white to reflect the, the heat and the light away. 
you're sort of a bit pitiful, really. Yeah, it's kind of like yeah. putting up a paper bag in front of your face when somebody's punching you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It might deaden it a little bit, but overall you're still going to end up with a broken nose, yeah. And then, so what, what made you then switch from... Well, I don't want to say switch because you're still obviously a chemist and you I know you mm. still have a lot of those things in your heart in terms of interest. Mm. But uh, what made you then change from... Pursue. Pursue. That's a good word. Very good, Trevor. Grammar is improving. This podcast, yeah, this podcast is well, He's been talking to Paul Phillips a lot, you see, so his, his use of grammar and his vocabulary are greatly expanding. Mm. But what made you switch from being chemist to... Because you were always you were a Christian for a long time before that. I, I, I was a believing Christian from about the age of 15 when it suddenly struck me that I was going into science with a very open mind. Yes. But yet I, I felt I had been saying that basically two, three thousand years of religious experience was a lot of delusion, really, and foolishness. And that struck me as a very uh, narrow minded thing it was the opposite of the open spirit of inquiry yeah. that, that I was hoping to pursue as a scientist. So at about the age of 15, I started to live my life uh, as if Jesus Christ was still around and would show me things uh, in the Bible and in my thoughts and this sort of thing and help me to be a kinder person. Yeah. Mm. Um, uh, and so that was, that was from age 15. And then as I, I tended to follow that through, I found myself in situations where I was uh, teaching kids about Christian faith at one end of the spectrum uh, or visiting old people and to try and give them a level of friendship. And did you, know, you do that as a late teen, in your late teens? Yeah, with you? the church, yeah. Oh. Uh, and, and various other bits of helping uh, and encouraging. You know, and, and it just seemed to be as though somebody was nudging me towards... Towards mm. a, lot, a career in it. I think it's quite uh, commendable that <coughs> somebody of your age took a genuine interest in visiting the elderly and people like this. Because mm. it's not the sort of thing, I don't, I don't maybe I'm narrow minded and I'm not exposed to it, but it's not the sort of thing you hear most teenagers doing nowadays. Yeah, it's a pity in a way because um, I, I found in those days old people, because they were conscious of, of, of things they couldn't do anymore that gave them a lot of joy wanted to hear what the young people were doing, the people who are young now yeah. were doing with their time and their energy and their friendships. And then they themselves would say what their younger days were like. Sometimes it, it was very similar. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, yeah. yeah uh, and and there was a nice sharing between the, pe the young people who were trying to discover what life's like and the old people who, who knew a kind of a way of life yeah. when, you know, long ago... And you could get them very well. Um, and also, it's, it's the grandparent thing. There's no power struggle between a teenager and, and an older person, whereas a middle-aged person from their parents' generation, yeah. uh, there could be a, yeah. a bit of confrontation well, this there, a, Or it might be perceived I'm by... I'm sure any of us who've ever been to a, to a granny's house or to a grandma's house... Or a, yeah. You know, you don't. I don't ever remember a time feuding really with. I know Matthew was a bit different, but I don't ever remember a time having disagreements majorly with Granddad. You no, have no. tiffs with people, same way you yeah, tiffs yeah. with friends. But uh, certainly not with Grandma either. Uh, but then the the rows that I have with Mum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's uh, yeah. There is. There's that kind of. It's it's a closer generation. So, I suppose there's that whole thing where it gets kind of passed down, where every generation kind of 
rebukes the one before it, and every generation above it abhors the one below it. Yeah. But the one that skips, they yeah. kind of you see the the one above the third generation, the the, top, the older generation doesn't like these guys, and these yeah. guys don't like these guys. So yeah. these guys have a common, so they get on just great. Oh yeah. And I do think it's something that young people should do a lot more of is talk to older people because I yeah. think there is something. You know all the answers when you're 16, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? well, and you don't. I, was I haven't changed much since you know? then. Mm. No, you're still 16. <laughs> but you, you think you do know all the answers when you're 16, but you, you don't. And, yeah. and, and then these people, these people know, they've seen things that you can't, you know. Yeah. Mathematically, if somebody's 80, they've done more than you. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you you should you should heed the advice, but that's yeah, that's but, the problem of being young. Yeah, but that's the problem. Yeah, whenever you're young, you think you know everything. So why it doesn't matter whether you're talking to a thirty-year-old or an eighty-year-old. Mm -hmm. If you're right, they're both wrong. Yeah, but, but is that still as true, lads? What you know compared to people your age? Is that same true now? My my view of a lot of people who are now in teens and early twenties mm -hmm. is that they have they're confronted with so many choices in terms of their social lives and their careers, mm. um, that there's a kind of a confusion and there's this terrible fear that you'll make the wrong choice. I think that's definitely true. Whereas opportunities for me were, com were comparatively fewer um, and opportunities for my father's generation. I mean, some of my uncles were quite bright lads at school, but yeah. no way I, were yeah. they as the I'll, sons of a cotton mill worker have got to university. I think this is definitely true because mm. if I can speak right, more people nowadays are afforded um, are afforded uh, an education, mm. and more people are given the chance to have an education. But I think back to when I heard the story about M Marco Pierre White when he became a chef, mm. and his father gave him however many pounds, sent him down from Yorkshire to London. And say, go get yourself a job. I don't care. Don't go get yourself a job, right? Mm. Or you've enough money just to come back on the train. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and he said, I, and preferably, I don't want to see you. Get a job and come yeah. back when you're successful. So he went around and he knocked on. He saw a restaurant and he thought this was the most amazing thing. So he went in and he said, I want a job. Mm. And they were so impressed by this young man coming up and knocking on the door of this high class restaurant. And yeah. he was clueless. He didn't know what it was. That so they said, Yeah, we'll give you a job chopping. And then he was cleaning. And then he worked his way up to like a commie chef. Yeah. And then he worked his way up to whatever. And then he started his own thing. The ability for kids or people to learn when they have opportunities in front of them, I mm. think is much better in people of your generation that mm. when they went into a job like a carpenter, you would soak up all that information. Yeah. And now that we're providing kids with more and more education, they actually <coughs> don't know what to do with all these options. If, yeah. you, if you have one option, you're told, go do that. And I want you to do it, no excuses, and go do that. Mm. And you see that as something you can relate to. You do start to really get involved with that. It's kind yeah. of like learning a musical instrument. If you really throw yourself into it, you do start discovering all these things. But mm. all these kids nowadays have so many options in education and so mm. many things and, and all, all these different things that they can, different career paths. And what about this and what about this? And they can't take in any of it. Mm. They have so much choice, they can't take in any of it. And so their problem solving is worse. Their ability to learn as they get older is, mm. is definitely challenged. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, that's very true of even with us in school. You think like, so? Yeah. Like yeah. whenever we were seventeen, eighteen, like I thought, I thought it was ridiculous how much pressure a seventeen-year-old is under mm -hmm. to make a choice yeah, right. to to go to university to for, for third level education, yeah, yeah. make a choice to go down. That's what you're going to do for the rest of your life yeah. at yeah. seventeen. And I think that from when you're eighteen, 
and you have a say you're out on your own you're allowed to get out of the house you're allowed to vote you're allowed to drink you're allowed to do this mm. from seven to, from 18 to 22 you learn more in them four years than you do in the first 17 18 years of your life yeah yeah i think so so how are you meant yeah. unless you're, you really know what you're going to do unless you look up to your 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 elders like your father or grandfather or somebody they do this they drive a lorry i want to drive a lorry mm. that's, that's just what i want to do mm. but if you're confused and like I remember at the school I was in, like uh, the career counsellor or whatever you call it. Career guidance counsellor. Gui- yeah. uh, career guidance counsellor was like, what do you want to do? And I goes, I don't know. And then she looked at me and said, how do you not know what you want to do? Mm. And I was like, I'm 17. I don't know what I want to do. Like, why are you putting all this pressure on me? Why, yeah, don't, yeah. I, why don't I just do the leaving cert and then take a few years and then decide? Mm. Yeah. You know, and yeah, it was easy for for the early generations because the number of options was fewer. Yeah, I mean, when your dad was a lad, it was a question of, well, do you want to work at the north end of the farm or the south? End? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, it. that's your choice, Tommy. <laughs> that's your choice, and the the decision is you know, quite uh, easy. And, yeah. and similar things, like say, I'm, yeah. And I think as well, I think there is a kind of sense of ignorance is bliss and that we, you, what you don't know, you, you're not concerned with. So there were the options there. You didn't mm. know what the other options were. So you went, okay, I'll take this. Yeah. But now you've got so many options and so many people look down on you. Or, oh, you didn't go to college. Or yeah, you're not oh, studying this. Oh, it, it really grinds my gears. And, the, the, you know, um, I see that nowadays in modern education, we're encouraging everybody to do a leave insert. So there's more and more people who... I, I, I'm simple when it comes to this. I believe there's thinkers and there's doers. Mm-hmm. There are those who can get you doing desk jobs and all these kind of things and are very mind. And then there's people who are practical and good with their hands. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that there's too much of an emphasis of trying to make everybody cuddy color and putting mm-hmm. everybody in the same thing. And instead of when we had the days of doing a junior cert and getting a PLC mm-hmm. or doing an apprenticeship or something. Yeah. But now everything requires a leaving cert. So the leaving cert is the relevance of what the junior cert was years, years ago. Yeah. The the leaving cert a degree now is roughly the equivalent of finishing school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A master's is roughly about someone who's actually got an expert in a field. A PhD a is someone who's done a little bit of extra proving ground. Yeah. And a lot of guys who are PhDs, I don't know if they're the same quality. I said to you before, I felt that his degree, even though he supposedly got a lower qualification than I have. Mm-hmm. His degree is far more valuable than mine. Mm. Yeah. Because I know from talking to you that, you know, you got into 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 the college you did and you, the concepts, I know from talking to you that yeah. your knowledge is greater in your specialist field than mine. We'll take yeah. maths. Yeah. Your knowledge of maths from first year is on par with my three, li- three years. Yeah, I don't know. I, no, I, 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 I think so. Um, Just probably as well, <coughs> explain for people looking in, I went to Imperial College in London. Yes, that, that which is a very good, same college Queen went to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the, the thing is um, that you went through the academic system and it worked for you. And it works. I think mm-hmm. by and large the academic system works for academics. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't work for people who are not academic. And I'm eager to point out, not unintelligent. No, no, no. no. But not academic. No. And so, you know, you don't need to be a scholar to be a great thinker or a great Mm. person with great ideas. Mm. But we force everybody down this route. So everybody gets to the end of 18 and they go, well, I ran the race and I got 230. What did she get? Oh, she got 625. Mm. Well, obviously, by the same system, if we're all judged on the same thing, I'm not as smart as her. But you may have skills. That person who got 65 may have no social skills, Mm. couldn't fix a gate in a windy day if if, if the wire had broken. Yeah. 
couldn't operate a machine, couldn't no. fix a shoe, couldn't sew a button, couldn't. Mm -hmm. But yet we value. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's yeah. like we've forgotten the pillars well, of society. Well, surely the sinister thing, the sinister thing is, Owen, that in fact, yeah. not so much that the, these relative values, which is bad enough, but that we make one type of person have to fit yeah. to walk in the shoes of the other one, yeah. Yeah. even if it's making him limp. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good way. Yeah. I think that's the sad thing. Yeah. I mean, you have to, you know, somebody like a brain surgeon. I have to recognise a brain surgeon is more valued in society than a vicar. <laughs> you may laugh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, but that's all right. But I think if. If um, vicars were made to be like brain surgeons and made lousy brain oh. surgeons, that would be awful. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 So it's, it's, yeah, it's an interesting one. Yeah. You know? And then after you, you went to Cranmer. Cranmer How Hall. long was the theological? That was, was three That was three years. Three years. So you've done six years of education. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Versus my four. <laughs> so. Well, yeah, yeah. We're talking... Post-school, obviously. Yeah, but mind you, I mean, they were quite di they were quite different things. Yeah. There were a lot of things I had to learn when I went to the theological college. Funny things you might not expect, like being able to write prose. I was in because, essays. But yeah, essays. Okay. Mm. Because in my time as a scientist, you drew a graph, or you made a list of numbers, you did a bit of maths. Um, but actually, to actually write a thousand thousand words, we started. I mean, it's, it's quite easy now, but. It was very difficult. Yeah, well, you, mm. you probably was easier for Mum, then, was it? Yeah, she yeah, had she'd arts. done a history. Oh, yeah, she, you she just told your mum to days. write 2,000 words, and she could write 2,000 words without it meaning much. She'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> because the arts people get used to churning out. Guff. <laughs> <laughs> rubbish. <laughs> well, I did it for three years. I'm an art student. I know half the essays I wrote were rubbish. Yeah. You know, they don't, they don't really add to anything. And so you had to write essays in three years. Is it three years in Ireland as well to train to be a priest? Oh, it was three years, 40 years ago. Um, They've now put it down to six who months. Had, who had <laughs> a degree in something else, would you believe if I hadn't had my science degree, I'd, I'd have had to do four years in the theological college, the seminary. Um, but because I got a science degree, that let me off a, a year. Yeah. <laughs> because because Ooh, chemistry be... is so similar to philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. And presumably the same for mum then. She did three years because she had an arts yeah, degree. Yeah, but yeah. I can understand how mum's arts degree is more relevant well, to being a priest yeah, than yeah, your yeah. science degree. Yeah. And do you, do you find, I mean, it's, it's probably a really cliched question. You're probably really bored of being asked it, but I'll ask it anyway. Do you, what, what do you, I mean, this whole science and religion thing, I mean, do you, do you, do you, this kind of thing of people can only choose one way or the other or? Yeah. I think a lot, my experience over the years that a lot of people, even quite clever people with arts degrees, don't understand what we mean by a law of science. Okay. A law of science isn't a rule that has to be kept. A law of science is a, a, a description of what we see. So we know, generally speaking, we see that water boils at 100 degrees. So this is a law. So, but that, uh, and we call that a law, but it's not like a law, like a law coming out of, out of the Oireachtas. It, um, it, it's an observation. So people say, Jesus can't have turned water into wine because that's against the law of science. But the law of science isn't a sort of judge sitting behind a table saying, you shall not <laughs> turn water into wine. <laughs> It, the law of science is that, generally speaking, in most cases that we're aware of, mm. or all cases we're aware of to know, we cannot turn 
water into well, yeah, <laughs> you know what course. I mean. No, but I understand. Water yeah. into wine uh, supernaturally, yeah. or, or or at once. Yeah, I like the idea because there's a similar thing in music theory where you, okay. you know, theory is theory is not. Uh, the rules by which you write music. They're observations of things that oh, have worked. Oh, it's exactly the same. Yeah. yeah. So the analogy holds true. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I think there's there's this whole idea in science. I mean, you always said to me there are exceptions. I remember my oh, yes. chem teacher at school always saying, just like anything in life, there are exceptions. And I go, well, how can you make a law if there are exceptions? But again, the raw is more like a rule of thumb, really, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. And most, of, even to quite a high level, yeah. is... Um, is uh, it's that's true. Yeah. I want to. I never forget one of my lectures in uh, irresist, irreversible thermodynamics. Never mind what that is. Very easy. But, the, but, the, <laughs> but the, the lecturer said, "No," he said, "How many people in this room are five foot nine tall?" Uh, and we all looked. At it. He said, "The answer is none of you." Because you're all going to be one or two wavelengths of light out. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so nobody is exactly five point nine. Yeah. <laughs> Presumably, five point nine because it's the average, or yeah, yeah, the yeah, average. Yeah, 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 or as far as we can tell, and yeah. all that sort of stuff. Okay. So, so it's not a case of God breaking the laws of science. Uh, there are laws of science. There are laws behind <laughs> the laws. Our laws of science are kind of guesses. Yeah. And. Um, I, I used to say, for example, in, in when I was talking to secondary school people, um, water boils at 100 degrees, provided you're not up a mountain. Correct. And provided mm. it's not a pressure cooker. And provi or providing you're not in your mum's pressure cooker. Uh, you know, but we always say quite glibly water boils at 100 degrees. But it's not true. But it's, it's not. It's not true in every utterly, case. <laughs> absolutely every time, no. And in fact, it might not even be true where we are here because the, the pressure, the atmospheric pressure might be different on any given day or we might be, his house might be slightly higher than my yeah, house. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, there's all them variables. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's one thing. Like, religion has always fascinated me, you know, in that sense. Like, uh, the one thing about me, you know about me, yeah. is like I'm, uh, was it agnostic? Yeah, that's agnostic. What I Open to the idea, but don't. Open to the it. idea. Like, the, I've always... At a young age, there, like I remember, I remember a saying said to me from I think it was like a reference to Harry Houdini, and it talked about like with what the eyes see, the ears hear, the mind believes. Yeah, and that's that 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 reflects my personality a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, even with like just say conspiracy theories or something like that. There, you know, unless I see it, I don't really believe it. Yeah, yeah. And religion kind of falls into that, mm. but I do find religion fascinating observing it all like I find it fascinating that people every Sunday come together in a community atmosphere and uh, one man talks about something out of a book mm. you, you must say you know mm. what what where I get the discrepancy what's the word discrepancy discrepancy is what's in that book Mm. You know, like the stories that come out of that book, you know, like what, what you say, you know, Jesus turns wine into was water into wine or yeah. walked on water. Yeah, All yeah. them things is like, I've never seen that been done before. Right. How, you know, why has it only been done there? Yeah, yeah. You know, what, what's the difference between that and reality of the day? Yeah, yeah. That, that, that there's how when I was younger, when I was about 14 or 15, like I, I go to church every week and... When I was listening, I don't mean to say it sound bad, you know, but when I was listening to whatever, mm. uh, I was like, well, that, that, that is impossible. Like, mm. why am I listening to something that is impossible? And then, like, that's kind of where I branched away from going to church 
uh, yeah. on Sundays. And same thing again. I'm open to the idea. You know, if I can be, ch if my mind can be changed, like there's no problem going back to that. Mm -hmm. But that's the problem I have. Is like I know that you ca you physically can't do that. Yeah. Do you know? Well, most people can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, but I think they, and it's not a deal breaker. But it, it, the the reason Jesus Christ got the followers he did because he he appeared to be somehow beyond. Yeah. <clears throat> Normal experience, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that. Uh, so it's the other. It's I suppose the, the other way, way you could argue it was if he didn't do any of these good things and he wasn't a miracle worker, and he wasn't the son of God. What would be the point of following him? Yeah, yeah. I suppose you yeah, could yeah, look at it from yeah. that point. Yeah, like we don't know what we don't know. I always say that. But uh, like I say, I'm open to it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's you're just, genuine agnostics. So, to be honest, so many people who call themselves agnostics just can't be bothered. Yeah, I was going to say they're lazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't really agree with atheists the way they sort of uh, throw information at people there. Mm. You know, especially when an atheist says, you know, if there is such a thing as God, why doesn't he strike me down now for being an atheist? Mm. I don't think that's that's achieving anything. Yeah. If you're an atheist, but what I does have, that achieve? I remember like, Matthew saying a very good point about this, which is that, you know... Um, if you're trying to challenge God like that, why would he bother? Yeah. You yes. Know? Like, yes. I mean, like it's, 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 your job is not here to challenge God. So you challenging God is absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's negligible to him. It's yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's, yeah. um, yeah. I, uh, yeah. I guess that's the point I'm making. It's, yeah. it is hard to, I mean, there are times where, where you, where you doubt, um, does that? I mean, can I ask you that question? Do you ever doubt? Or? Oh yes, yeah. Okay, and uh, does 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 dealing with those doubts make you stronger the next time? Does it reinforce, or does there ever that little bit of kind of going, God, I need a break right now. This is just yeah, lighting up on God. He's not here. But all those things. I, I mean, religion is not being <laughs> not the way I understand it. It's being mad and irrational. It's saying there are some things you can always work out, but you. Like science is based on what's most like what you see as most likely to be true or less likely to be true. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I could be completely wrong about what I think God wants me to do next. Yeah. Um, it could be something, my own ambitions or something. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I have to doubt that. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking the other day, you know, if supposing there wasn't a God, then. I think still I feel I spent the last fifty years because that's yeah. how long it is by this stage, living away in a way that's fairly harmonious with the universe and the rest of the human race as you can. Uh, yeah. I don't have any regrets. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. If that's I discovered good. tomorrow there was no God, I, I wouldn't be. But of course you won't. Yeah, furious. Yeah. Well, of course you won't. Well, that, that's a very valid thing. Like even mm. if you hypothetically, mm. it 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 never you know it doesn't exist. Yeah. What's wrong with the way your people are religious people pursue their life? Yeah, like they're very harmonious, they're very nice people. Like out in America, there, like I know a handful of uh, Mormons, and mm. there's a lot of controversy about the Mormon community yeah, and whatnot. Yeah. But when they when I talk to them, they're very nice people. Yeah, you know. So what? What? Why should I question what they believe, whether it's right or wrong? Yeah. Yeah. They're living their life authentically, trying to do the best they can. Yeah, yeah. Like that, that's one thing I notice a lot about uh, about certain religions, even you know cults to a certain degree. You know, like mm. they the, the try and live their lives as best they can. There's an awful lot of decent people trying to do the do the right thing. Yeah, and uh, especially I think it's probably worth saying at this stage in history, uh, 
Muslim people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in a slightly different context, you know, in some contexts, you'd have to say to people, uh, gay people are like that, you know? Yeah. yeah. Decent so folks, you know, with a lot. Older generations yeah. are a little bit. Yeah, whereas the older yeah. people are much harder on, on people. But I've always argued this point about anything, like either if it's transgenderism or sexuality or anything like this. Mm. But if the person is a good person and lives their life and everything mm. is consensual and nothing is harming anybody mm. then we let them live the way that yeah. they are and if yeah. we don't approve of it from a religious point of view and you'll agree with this yeah. god is to judge not us yeah, yeah god yeah. is to judge yeah, yeah. so we don't we don't make any uh, assumptions or presumptions <coughs> about these people no. if they are good to us we treat them with respect and in fact the bible would teach us that we should treat them as good as you treat your neighbor well how you yeah. want to be treated and yeah. if everybody has that attitude then yeah. nobody because at the end of the day the only thing that's the determining factor is whether you for a Christian, is whether you believe Jesus Christ mm. died for you. Yeah. That's it, right? Yeah. So if everybody has the same kind of idea, no matter what religion it is, I think we get on better as yeah. society. Yeah. I definitely think that at the moment, and it's very fashionable in certain alt-right circles, mm. to say that the problems in America and Britain and France and all these things are caused by Muslims. Yeah, that's right. It's lazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You that's know, and I call out somebody like Milo on this. It's lazy. Yeah. And it's, it's, mean... it's, it's just a way of saying, there's my solution. Now I don't have to think about it anymore. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. really. I mean, I'm a convinced Christian and I, and I believe Christianity is nearer to the truth than Islam. Yes. But that doesn't, but I don't then go on to feel I have to mm. uh, oppress. Or go out or, of your way ostracize. to prove you're right over people in yeah, Islam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you have a conversation with someone, I mean, would you consider yourself evangelical in some sense? In the sense that I believe that Jesus and his teachings are good things and I want to share, share them if yeah. I see so, sort of things somebody might benefit from. So it's better yes. to have a conversation with a Muslim and, and, and open his mind to some ideas. Yeah. I'm not saying try and do a full-on conversion, no, no. but open his ideas to things than just tell him he's wrong, Yeah, which doesn't help anybody. Yeah. 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 Do you think that's the problem with the West Baptist Church? Westboro Baptist. Um, um, West, what is it? Yeah, West, Westboro, Westboro, Westboro Baptist Church. My problem with them is 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 that they don't they don't try and help. You know the Westboro Baptist Church. Yes, yeah, yeah. another. I'm Are they are they still going? Yeah. Yes, they are. Oh, the Phelps right. family is still going strong, even though I think the the father died a few years back. Oh, the, 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 the founder. Yeah, Sorry, the founder. The founder. Yeah. yeah. Um, they, they they to me. They only believe in showing compassion to people who are the same as them, mm. which is not, to me, a Christian attitude. No. You don't tell people who are doing things that you think are wrong, you don't tell them that you sh you're going to go to hell. Like, if they're going to go to hell, you can tell them that and then walk away. You don't have to picket funerals. You don't have to make people miserable. No, no. You can't say that God is going to judge you and then judge them yourself. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. stupid. Yeah, but they've... They feel as though they have to do that, but they don't. I mean, if they, I know they don't. But, they feel, but, yeah, yeah. But you, you can't, you can't change their perception. They, they perceive the Bible in their way, and yeah. that's how they feel they need to cha make. Yeah. And what I would argue is, it's not. I believe it's misinterpreting. Mm. Yeah, to the to the general public, but to, but to them, you can't. To them, they feel as though they're doing the right, the the right of uh, God, the right, or whatever. Yeah, the, you know, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, the work of God. Mm. But to us, we know we feel we know better. Yeah. Or that we know better, or they know better. Well, okay. Or they know better. Well, both. both. You know what I mean yeah. there? We're both, we say they're wrong, and they say we're wrong. Mm. You know, so it's it's a vicious circle, I find. Yeah. Well, I mean, it depends on how you think that, you know, you, we were talking as well last night about treating everybody with respect. Yeah. And I, did, I would argue that I don't think they're being particularly loving to their neighbor who they consider sinning. 
Yeah, I, I don't agree with what they're doing. Yeah. No, no. But it's it's very difficult to to say that they're doing it wrong. You know, their 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 perception they think they're right. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you can only perceive things in the way that you perceive things, and they don't have any other point of view other than the one that they have, their family has. Did you ever see um? We ever see the interviews with the the girl who left? Yeah. Yeah, and she's basically just disassociated from the family. Yeah. Yeah. She's, yeah she she doesn't talk. But to But she the was interesting. She didn't leave the Westboro Baptist Church. I think she left Christianity as well. Uh-huh. I think. I um, have to look yeah, back at that because she said what challenged her to leave the rest of the Baptist Church. I I asked you about this actually. Mm-hmm. Was the whole thing in the oh. It was so, I can't remember what I'd have to get the quote back up. I remember asking you about it one Sunday dinner time. Yeah. And you said that actually you felt. She was misinterpreting. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So you know, misinterpretation. Actually, had to leave the church. Well, but again, that's your interpretation. Of it. Well, well, but the, but the thing is about these people, and that's why it, it, you've got to do more than just bash them. Yes, <laughs> it is because actually they themselves need to have the religion expressed in that form for their own benefit. Yeah, uh, or else they become sort of confused and lazy and unfocused people. They have to have this incredibly. You know, neatly drawn. You must do this. You mustn't do that. There are some people who need that sort of framework. Yeah, and they're just and, they're just projecting onto and people. Then, and then they have to make other people fit that. Uh, and and because if the other people don't fit it, then that framework might not be quite right. And therefore, I might be in danger of falling away and and losing everything. Mm. I mean, it's it, it's just struck me. We want to, we might want to look down on on people like that, but the whole. The whole ministry, the whole technique towards helping alcoholics, yeah, mm. is the twelve-step program, and um, and and it's a matter of, and that's a proven way of helping them get their lives back. And we're not patronising, and we're not insulting alcoholic yeah. people. There are some types of, and some of us at some stage in life need. I think that's how yeah. pretty rigid yeah. and rather well, firm we, framework. Remember what we were talking about earlier on about the education thing and how there's mm. too many options. And I think that a lot of people they need a, a rigid sort of, mm. you know, do this, this, and this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And some people. Well, sometimes we all do. Uh, you know, if we're. If I think we're if you're stressed, a hard stress I think time. if you're stressed, it's very hard to suddenly pull apart the, uh, you know, the connections that are like a tangled web of cables on a floor. Yeah. And you can kind of see the end of one thing, but you can't figure out where the path is going. Sometimes you just need it all yeah. clearly laid out and sorted for you and go, now you can start. Because yeah. when you stress, your mind is like that, isn't it? Yeah, you, can't, yeah. You, yeah. you can see the kind of the ends of it and what you need to do, but you can't see the path and it all seems all much. And Well, I think everybody needs to take a journey of self-discovery at some stage in their life. Mm. You know what I mean there? Like if you've spent a, a long, say, 10 years of a real rigid for structure in your life, I think it's good to get away from it all, take a journey somewhere. You know, Do you know that's why people have midlife crisis? Oh, yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, yeah it, could, it could be. I'm just thinking when you say about living life rigidly for 20 odd years or 30 odd years. I guess so. I guess you get to a point where it's like, I'm halfway through and what have I done? Like, well, I, I've, so. I've achieved I a lot. I breakdown when I got to that point and I, because I think there were so many questions and, and difficulties in my life uh, and I had to switch from being a, an old young man mm. to being a young old man, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 and get the priorities different. Yeah. yeah, there's a guy I I read quite often. He's a Franciscan friar in in America, and he says your life is in two halves, and in the first half you've got to be clear. You've got to be sometimes almost dogmatic, 
as you sort out who you are and what you stand for. And he said, and he would say, don't let the, the, the modern liberals tell you, oh, that's very constrictive and unhealthy. No, you've got to do that. Yeah. And then once you've done that and know who you are and what, and what everybody else is about, then you can, you know, chill out a bit. Is yeah. that why people start off kind of being more kind of extreme in their younger views and then they get more and more conservative as they get older? That they kind of, once they've kind of sorted out in their head the things that they've, you know, they want to be, they can then relax on those issues and they don't have to be so tense or uptight about it. Yeah, them. yeah. Mind you, a lot of people who, who, who probably skip that first stage then suddenly start taking up in later life and they can be... <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you, you, uh, you, you did minister you were in the college for three years studying mm. theology and then after that well you met mum yes during yeah. that course and then where was your first where was your first church we we started off in in a what by irish standards would be quite a big town yes um on the northwest of, of manchester of the manchester conurbation and uh, we were both assistant assistant ministers. Deacons, is it? Yeah, I was in the order of deacons in those days. This is 40 years ago. Uh, your mother was not allowed to be in the clergy. Because, uh, uh, well, for the same reasons that in the Roman Catholic Church of today, you know, they don't allow women into the clergy. Exactly the same reasons. Um, but anyway, so, but they did, and I'd got to the stage 40 years ago where, they, where women could be trained to be ministers uh, and then... They could see where, where the community was prepared to accept their contributions, okay. and so my wife was at seminary, theological college, with 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 the men, as it were, but we were ordained clergy at the end, and, and they were given licenses to work in the parishes. So they could be like lay readers. And, yeah, yeah. You know, they were thing. like lay workers. Uh, they could could they give communion? Uh, they could. Oh, they could give communion and preach, but they couldn't bless. So that so was the only thing. Bless the, they, they couldn't be in the order of priests. So this, they couldn't this, bless them. Okay, this is something that I've always wondered, right? Because yeah. at the end of a service, you hold up your hands and you bless the congregation. Yeah. But you don't really bless the congregation. No. You ask for God's blessing. Yeah. So here's the thing. Why do you need to be ordained to ask for something that I can ask for for myself? I or, um, yeah. I suppose in, in, in days gone by, yeah. people felt that um, for something to, to, be, to have value, it had to be official. Okay. Uh, and it had to be authoritative, uh, uh, or else anybody could say it. So, and that's why the church focused all this work on on the presbyter priests, um, and so on. Yeah. I'm bound to say, you know, if we before we sneer at that, yes, uh, as a bit of sort of inadequateness by the people in the congregation, oh, they have to have a big man with a proper badge telling them. Um, in my days when I used to do counselling and healing prayer with people, yeah. I found there were certain people who the prayer would be a lot more helpful to if I delivered it in an authoritative way. Yes. So rather than saying, well, may God bless you and, and help your cancer get better, some, to some people you, you say, well, may God drive out yeah. that thing that is can destroying I, you. Can you see? Can you can feel I, that I dynamic? Think, I think it does depend on personal strength and background. Because when I went yep. to Africa to do mission work, yeah, the one thing that I noticed about the preachers, the preachers who were preaching street yep. evangelism, and yep. this—I don't know if I ever told you about this. This was guys on the back of the tr truck screaming for an hour, right, about how the salvation of Jesus Christ was the only, yeah, 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 redemption one could get, and you must have it. It is in those societies. Sorry, I'm just going to drop them. It is in those societies such a powerful thing to have the strong yeah. male 
guy who's on this truck who's screaming, you need to follow Jesus. Yeah. You know? So I think yeah. there is certainly a thing that for people who feel weak or wayward, this idea of someone who takes them under their wing and goes, this is what you need. Yeah. That is a powerful thing, I think, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah the younger... See, a lot of the younger clergy will say, the way I take those parts of the service is rather elitist. But, you know, God bless you. <laughs> Here's me blessing you. But actually, I, I don't see it that way at all. I, the reasons we're saying, so there's a time to be clear. And there's a time to be, what some people call ridiculously clear, and <laughs> overdoing yeah. it, yeah. overacting almost. Yeah. But it does help people. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I remember an instance in Monaghan Town, you know, like, uh, you know, every Saturday night people go out to go drinking and whatnot. But mm. there's, there's a group, I don't know who they are, there's a religious group outside, and they come around with water and soup and that there. And, mm. and uh, there was one person was, uh, was saying to a friend of mine, he was saying, I think it's like born-again Christianity yeah, or something yeah, yeah. like that. He was very, the best word to describe it was malicious in his action. Like he, he was he was really saying to this person there that you have to do this and your life depends on it. Mm. And then this person said, well, you know, I have a relation that, that died a few months ago, mm. but he wasn't among your community. And he just pointed at him and said, well, that man is in hell now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like, time. <laughs> you know, yeah. and I've, at the time there, you, you had rage again that person for the words he was saying there. But, but it just, looking back on it, it's it's you have to take a responsibility for words that you say to people. Like that's that's a very it's it's a very powerful yeah, yeah. thing to say something like that yeah. to try and yeah. you know uh, try and get them to a, a realization. Yeah. You know to say. I'll get you to a realisation a certain way, but I mean, to, to have words like that, like your relation is now in hell because you, you, you didn't join our group. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I thought that was very irresponsible of him. Yeah. You know, would, what, that be, would that what be I, right or wrong? I, 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 I'm remembering a clergyman friend of mine who, who'd lived in the south of Ireland and in the north of Ireland, and he said, uh, in the south, religious truth dawns. Whereas in the north, religious truth strikes. Oh, I was going to say <laughs> dooms. In fact, political yeah. strikes, doesn't it? Yeah, of course, yeah. Hence, yeah. at the moment, the DUP and the Sinn Féin are, are the, the parties of choice because both those, mm. you know... The, the thing I would say is what help does it give you to, to try and convert or evangelise someone to being your religion? By telling them that their family is already down, <laughs> yeah. and and I, I guess, it's not I guess, a great advert, is it? <laughs> I, I guess I guess they you know they weren't high up on it. You know what I mean? They yeah, were just yeah. like the workers. Yeah. You know, uh, but even still, like it was, if you want to alienate someone, that's a very good way of doing it. I think it. it's a well. I think he's trying to be well-meaning, but he's being overly simplistic. And because he's being overly simplistic, he's being ignorant. And because he's being ignorant, he's being uh, careless. And it, and that's what he's doing. I mean, he's he's yeah yeah. He's oh, being he is, very he is, but I'm still and tactless, tactless. Yeah, but I'm still conscious. Having said, having heard and that, and agree with you that there are some people. That's the language they do. They do everything. Yeah. They do their politics. They, they do some of their business uh, in that sort of. This is it. Yeah. You don't want this. Go somewhere else. Sort yeah. of uh, way. And this is where some people are made. Yeah, like, like I, I, I don't think attacking someone like that is going to, you know, pursue them through oh, no. towards you. You know, like, it would be different if, if the person asked and was curious and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. You know, it would be, di be different then. But he was very attacking. And, you know, 
I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, I'm sure. It, stru- it struck in my mind there. It's just like, well, why would I ever want to join them? Even though, yeah, yeah. You know, for, for saying that. Yeah. I know it's only one man. You can't hold him responsible for yeah. the for the religion or whatnot, but I just thought... Well, you know, again, that approach, Trevor, was was efficient enough to get him in. Yeah. yeah. So as he yeah. got him in, I, I, you know, it's going to get other people. Yeah, I guess I guess that's another way of looking at it. Like, there's yeah. going to be a certain people that that's the way they're drawn in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, it just didn't work on me. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know why it wouldn't come here either. Yeah. It's an interesting one. Yeah. And, um, yeah, what was I? You were saying you were in... Uh, the oh yeah we were talking about blessing yeah yeah that's yeah. right and then so mum couldn't do that but she could minister and then how long sick people, and yeah. then how many parishes were you in, in in England before you moved to Ireland uh, I, I was in two as a sort of apprentice deputy sort of capacity yeah. and then I had my own parish so you, that's when you get called rector um, it's like parish priest in Catholic um, rector um, in 80, from 1983 to 1988. And then you, so you did and that for five years? So I was five um, years running my own parish in England, yeah. And, and the defining factor, apart from a holiday to West Cork, which you really enjoyed, yeah. the defining factor to move here, what was it? Was there anything in the Church of England you disagreed with or was it just a change of scenery? Uh, we, we felt we were... Yeah, I suppose it's a change of scenery. We felt a door was being opened uh, and a hint being dropped to uh, to look at something different. Yeah. Which is not a bad sentiment for somebody about 30-year-old anyway. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> yeah. it was. If it had the sense Don't of get adventure. into a rot. But, uh, yeah, it was, there was a disappointment in the sense that we were <coughs> the places where we were ministering were the sort of places where we grew up. But uh, we, we weren't having wild success and so we became open to the idea of perhaps something completely different uh, and when Irish countryside came up we thought well we'll just look into this a bit and for a number of other things uh, a number of other things became possible much to our surprise yeah. and so we, we thought we went down that road oh very good yeah and you Domanway right to Domanway Domanway the West Cork. Ministry of Healing. Yeah, then yeah. After uh, all those years in gen- general practice, <laughs> so to speak, yeah. I, I was a specialist for seven years, and I went round the parishes um, throughout the Church of Ireland, teaching people basically how to pray for the sick, uh, and also how to have counselling skills, a sort of low level yeah. of uh, of counselling psychotherapy, very at a very low level which is actually what most people need. Yes. Um, just to be listened to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that took you then, the presumably the Ministry of Healing, I mean, I remember being a kid and you were generally away yeah. every Wednesday and then you were in Belfast every second week, is that right? Or was no, you every... no, more like every other month. Every other month. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, because there was a staff in the Belfast office under a, a director. Oh, okay. uh, so they had their, they were quite in, more or less independent. Yeah. And the, the Ministry of Healing took you all over the country? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And did you ever meet anybody who would ever challenge you? I mean, I can imagine that praying for the sick, I mean, people who, who might come up to you and tell you it's a, it's a waste of time or it's a feeble effort. Did you ever encounter that attitude? Oh, yeah, yeah. And funnily enough, from the clergy, who would say, well, I'm not having you in my parish uh, because you'll have a service and... and there'll be a big noise over say somebody with cancer or something and then after you've gone that person will die and I'll have to deal with it 
Okay. And so, so, mm. so, you know, so there was this big worry about something going wrong. And I, and I, I said to them, we don't, we don't even get there because we say, what's the, we're going to pray that God will do the best for this person. Yeah. And it might mean be getting better. And we're going to ask for that first, because that's, to be honest, that's what we really want. I mean, it's a very... But we're going to pray, if that doesn't happen, that something good will happen anyway. Yeah. Uh, And they say, once you come in with that frame of life, that's what I mean. I used to teach people to pray for the sick. It's not just a case of where to hold your hand uh, and (laughs) which prayer to say. Mm. You've actually think about what you're doing and what emotions you might be. Yeah. stirring up in I them think, yeah i think people have this idea when you're uh, in into when you're in this things like the ministry of healing and you're teaching people to pray for the sick that you're some sort of benny hinn yeah yeah and then yeah. you're going round and you're going remove the sinful cancer <laughs> from your body now yeah. you are healed yeah, yeah and then two weeks later they they die and then the priest is going well what happened yeah. but it's not like that is it I no mean, no that's, no yeah no and where, where i mean this yeah where, where do you where do you start i mean did you feel that people sometimes drew that comparison with those kind of I think so, I American think some, televangelist I think some healers, fake healers, was, I guess they're called? Yeah, I think yeah. There, was, uh, there, were, there was an element of that. And sometimes it could get hold of me. I remember I was taking a service and then people coming forward for prayer. Well, like, just like communion in a Catholic or a, a Church of Ireland where people come forward for, for communion. Yeah. Whereas in your Presbyterian tradition, my understanding is it's that communion is brought to people. Is that right? I don't know. Is that is that true? I couldn't tell you. But, well, they only have sacrament, <laughs> the sacrament Sunday. Is it not? Is that a communion not brought by the elders? That's my understanding of Presbyterian church style. Anyway, that they the presbyters, <clears throat> the elders, bring the the bread oh, and yeah, wine yeah. to the people yeah, in their right, seats. Yeah. yeah, but in in um, Church of Ireland Methodist Roman Catholic people go forward for the communion yeah. to the front of the church. Uh, uh, and we used to do similar things. People could come forward and, and, uh, and be prayed for mm. uh, and blessed. Well, there's this lady came up the church on two crutches and, uh, 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 and with great difficulty laid one crutch against the communion rail and the other crutch against the communion rail and got herself down uh, on, on her knees. Uh, uh, and even I was getting slightly worried about, uh, you know, am I setting myself up for a disaster? But, but uh, I remembered my overall f- approach, uh, uh, and I said to her, now, what would you like us to pray for today? And she said, I'm not hearing very well these days. <laughs> so all the, I, <laughs> I imagined a lot of guys on the back row going, hey, 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 when she was going up, here's <laughs> 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 make or break. Yeah. But in fact, uh, and there's, that's actually quite profound. It is. That... that you know, the way we see other people and what we think other people need, Yeah. you know? Uh, and this was what she said. Yes. Uh, That's interesting. I mean, yeah. we do make those judgments. We look at someone and we go, well, this is this is the help we must give them. And, and I think that is... That's true. Yes, think, that's true in many oh, ways, isn't it? But mm. I think this is yeah. so true in modern society where people are always saying, oh, you want to do this job, you need this. You yeah. want to go do that, you need that. Yeah. And we're making these decisions for people. Yeah. But actually, she was looking for help for something that nobody else had figured, but yeah. that she felt was hindering her life. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes we give people what we think they want, not what oh, they actually yeah. need. Yeah, that's very true in all sorts of ways. Yeah, yeah. I yeah that's, that's true. That's, that's um, yeah, I think, I, yeah, I think it's part of human nature, though, that we, we, we do make a healthy amount of assumption. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then the transition back into parish ministry. Yeah, um, that happened 15 years ago. And that was quite a shock to the system. 
because even on a human level, because uh, it's different daily rhythm from meeting the same people within the same uh, 50 square miles compared to going around the country, meeting people perhaps for the first time and then not seeing them again or, and teaching. I'll tell you the, the tricky one is, by and large, when I was doing the thing around the country as a specialist, I was dealing with people who were interested in what I have to say, mm. whereas in the parish, any parish, I'm not being yeah. critical of this well, one. Parish ministry uh, in general. In parish ministry in general. Uh, a lot of pe most people aren't really interested in what I'm trying to say. Or to put it more kindly, they're not interested in the question. They're not asking the questions that I know the answers to. Oh, I get you. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, do you think that's a case, that that's a kind of thing to do with over-familiarity? Because you're always there, that they don't... I think so. Well, in recent years, it's got that people are much happier with a superficial view of life. I mean, this is, this is Facebook-like culture. This is Twitter communication. That You know, they that people aren't interested in the technicalities. Uh, one of my leading church members said the other day, he says, course, uh, the thing I disagree with uh, with Catholicism is transubstantiation. And I thought, no, if I'd been hearing that 20 years ago, I'd have preached a sermon next Sunday on transubstantiation. Nobody would want a sermon. You, you, probably, you guys probably don't know what transubstantiation is. I know it's one of the two differences that we have Compared to the yeah, Roman Catholics, yeah. the fact that our communion, our communication, communion is a representation of body and blood of Christ, which is we're consubstantiation, right? Yeah, well, yeah, it's more, it's it's a lot more subtle than most people think. We we, we, we believe that the, the, the presence of Christ comes to you during your communion, but we don't necessarily believe the, the bread and the wine changes to do that. Correct. We believe it it happens. Yeah. Um, and that's, a, that's we, the Presbyterian position as well. An yeah. awful lot of Presbyterians don't know that. A lot of, <laughs> it's a simplistic, a simplistic way to do it is it's a representation. Yeah, I suppose so. Yes, 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 it is The Catholics believe it's almost this metaphysical, not metaphysical, but it's this metamorphosis into... Yeah. This, it becomes the actual yeah, body yeah. and blood of Christ. Which, when I say this to Roman Catholics, do you know what the, over, the overall response I always get is? Go on. Ugh, I don't believe that. Correct, yeah. And because I go, yes, not, you do. I go, yes, you do. And they go, oh, and I saw the difference between, you know, without wanting to sound bad, but also new guys is, oh, you don't believe Mary is a virgin. And I go, no, 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 we don't believe in the Immaculate Conception, but we believe she's a virgin. Yeah. It's in our creed. Yeah. It's the basis the that God Mary. can do anything. I mean, yeah. yeah. Scary. People don't know what they believe. But even even that... Or believe what they don't know. Even, uh, uh, but how important is that technicality in practice? You know, I mean, to be a little outrageous, no, then, how interested in people but, in virginity but, but, anyway yeah, these days? Yeah, but, <laughs> true. But, I mean, then, you know, people are so much us and them, but they don't even know what the them is that they don't like, yeah, what the yeah. us is oh, that yeah. we are. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah? So it's... Mm. I find that one absolutely baffling. Yeah. And then we we generally within the Church of Ireland we we recognise two sacraments: yeah. baptism so, and com and holy communion, communion, holy yeah. communion. Yeah. And in the Catholic Church they have seven. Seven, yeah. Is that Does to it? balance the seven deadly sins? It it comes from a common course in, in the Middle Ages. Seven-headed beasts. Seven, seven, yeah, from late biblical times to right through through the Middle Ages, through Greek philosophy to the Middle Ages. Seven. If anything's good, it's got to be seven. So not only did they have seven sacraments, do they have seven sacraments, sorry, um, but the seventh sacrament is itself a set of seven. 
And so there What's the are seventh sacrament? Uh, bishop. The seventh sacrament is ordination, and there are uh, bishops, priests, deacons, and I'm not sure about the rest. There's uh, readers, exorcists. Uh, there's, a, there's a various other orders of, orders of clergy. They managed to get. They managed to pull in these other church offices and make them out into a set of seven forms of clergymen. It's almost like obsessive compulsive. <laughs> I know it's an idea. It's a view of the universe. You know, you, you and well, I, as mathematicians s- and scientists, well, no, should... we like pattern. Yeah. And I think the, the medieval guys followed from the Greek philosophers thought there were patterns in the universe in a very deep level, and, and it was sevenfold. And that's when the terms, that's yeah. why there's constantly seven and sevenfold. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah. And yeah, you see that you'll also come across in the Bible the, the the virtues that the Spirit of God gives. That it lists seven of them, because uh, uh, mm. they felt they had to. Seven days in a week as well. Oh yeah, for, yeah, yeah. A good, good observation. There you go. Yeah, yeah. 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 Right yeah. to the front of the yeah. class. Oh, it's, very, it's very old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's yeah. yeah, that's that's an interesting thing. <clears throat> Do you get challenged much by people with you know? So it was you know people of science that come up to you and challenge sort of the the stories in the in the Bible. Do you know the funny thing is I, I get more challenge from people who are not scientists mm. because as I said earlier on in this conversation, um, a lot of people who aren't scientists have a misconception about what science is about, yeah, and think it's about proving things impossible, uh, and I suppose that's the. Uh, that's the that's the main thing I actually I actually find I suppose I don't meet many fellow scientists in Longford, uh, and that's not being smart. Yeah, it just it just literally doesn't happen. There is I suppose if I went to Abbott's Abbott Pharmaceuticals, you might, I yeah. might bump into them more often. But yeah. I, but I don't visit Abbott Pharmaceuticals. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what about people that sort of you know the quite you know like very I don't know basic people or something like that that would question you about the stuff in the Bible. You know like like say. Like the world was flooded mm. and all this. Like, how, how do you, how do you, what, how, what's your approach to, to the to people that ask about it? That's something that doesn't seem to be possible. Yeah. Well, I suppose I, I would say to somebody like that, I, I, I say, you know, somebody in the old days wrote this down. So if it didn't happen, I suppose it might not have happened. But why did they tell that story? What, what, what was going on? What, what were they trying to? What did they want us, the people who came afterwards, to think that mm. they they made up? If they made up that so why did they make it up? Mm. Uh, Could you not apply that argument though to any old religion? I mean, like the oh, yeah. idea. I mean, like yeah, you asked me what well, talking to a person uh, without getting technical and philosophical, and I'd say that's oh okay, yeah, yeah. that's that's yeah, that's what I, I would I would say to him. Oh. That's that camera off. That's that camera off. So okay. We'll just, we'll just keep going. We'll yeah, we'll just keep talking. One, another got, 10 minutes. Yeah, we've another 10 minutes. So, um, oh, okay. Yeah, so. You guys are very good at this, I must admit. Yeah. We've had lots of practice. Yeah. Paul yeah, has well, been our guinea pig. Paul <laughs> and Gemma were our guinea pigs. No, no funny. <laughs> it, it has been an interesting journey. Yeah, it has, yeah. You know, like I think that's what I like about it is sort of questioning things. Mm. Do you know? And that, that's why I always wanted to leave this... Uh, interview last, so I, I kind of have a lot of a bit of a, more experience. Yeah, yeah. You know, to, to ask these questions. You, you complement each other very well, actually. In this, oh. um, where do you see off, off the camera? Where we don't do that at no. all. No, no. But the, but the, <laughs> you know, you, he goes into one area, and then you pick a 
catch the ball and run with it slightly in a different way, yeah. and then it's you know he picks it, catches up again, and the two of you, yeah. It's not like being interviewed by Westboro Baptist. You know? You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> You're, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's just in the last couple of years, I'd say the last two and a half years, instead of arguing with people there, I'd, I'd just rather sit down and talk, you mm. know, hear their point of view and try very hard in my own mind to see where they're coming from. Mm. Try very hard, you know, even if I don't agree with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See where they're coming from and judge, not judge them there, but... Uh, Try and make the point of view in that that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or as a few years ago, I would have been probably more ignorant mm. to certain things. You know, uh, I would have just said, "No, you're wrong." Well, yeah, more dogmatic. You yeah, know, yeah. I, I, I think I think that's just as you get older. You yeah, know, oh, absolutely. You know, there there was a couple of experiences in the last couple of years that just made me think more and, and whatnot. Age comes with that as well, but a couple of experiences uh, get, took me to that conclusion, and. Uh, that's one thing I wanted to do with this podcast is if we can get in interest in people from all walks of life onto it there, mm. you, you're pulled to their point of view and another per point of view and then you grasp all this information and then you, you try and make your own yeah. conclusion yeah. to it all. Yeah. One of the things I've learned in the last well, last decade is it's, uh, from all sorts of things, uh, very often when we're younger we want to say it's either this or that. Mm. <laughs> it's either your my way or it's the wrong way. No, yeah. It's either this or that. But there's an awful lot of life in, in religion and in choices in life which very often this and this. And it's a combination of yeah, of two yeah. of two opposites. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what when you start thinking that way, mm. things make a lot more sense yeah. in a way. Yeah. yeah. You know, like uh, like I, I'm guilty, like my my mother would have asked me, how come you don't go to church? How come you, you know, you don't actively uh, believe in this? Mm. And I remember years ago, you know, kind of mocking her, you know, in a sense, you know, mm -hmm. like, oh, you go and do that and I'll do my own thing. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I kind of look, I wish I didn't do that. I kind of regret that, you know, uh, even though I mightn't totally agree, I still respect her, her belief. Yeah, yeah. You know, like... Uh, for instance, there she said, like, I'll, I'll pray for you and that. Like, I would have made maybe a, a slight remark to that, whereas now it's like, okay, well, that's that's yeah. that's your your choice. Yeah. I, I respect you doing that. that I, I appreciate that. I yeah. don't necessarily uh, think it's going to help, but yeah. but uh, it's good Take that you thought of that. Yeah. You know, I, th I think that's that's just people getting stronger. You know, mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're getting stronger as you get older with yourself. You're more, I, don't, I don't know what... What way to say that? I think there is a sense that if you do an action for someone, uh, that speaks louder than words. So even your mother saying she's praying for you, you understand there's an action that she's then doing to try and influence for the better what mm. you're doing. Yeah. And so you're appreciative of the action. And I yeah, think as yeah. men, we're more appreciative of action than words anyway. Mm, mm. So the idea of some, oh, I'm going to say prayers for you, it doesn't matter what the prayers are. The fact she's going to, to do that act yeah. is a sign of, mm. A little bit of dedication and devotion to wanting the best for you. Yeah. You know? Um, you, you pray every day? Oh, yes, yeah. I do too. All would right. you be surprised by this? <laughs> no, but seriously, would you be surprised? Well, I said, no, initially I would be. And then I think, well, I, yeah, he doesn't, you won't pray like I do. You don't open a book that this thick 
uh, and read this bit of the Bible and no. say that prayer and uh, and so on. But no, I'm sure. No, no, no. I think what's yeah. probably more amazing for the people who might be watching this, well, is, this my, is, is my is my is my accent switching constantly through this <laughs> <laughs> the fact that every day. You speak to Trevor in. How are you getting on, Trevor? How are you, Dad? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't notice it as much. Yeah, I've been no, trying to keep yeah. it as middle ground, yeah. to be very yeah. honest. Well, yeah, depending on how far out this is being listened to, I mean, it's, uh, that's not a bad Some idea. Some people online be like, what the hell is what going on with this guy? On? There's two Owens? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're that. You're all right. Yeah. So, but it's, um, yeah, no, I, I do. I, I, I pray every day. Um, I don't, I sometimes think it's not doing anything, and I do question it a lot. Um. But uh, yeah, it's supposed to be a two-way process. So I mean, well, he hasn't talked not... back yet. If that's what you're asking, <laughs> 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 I haven't had any voices yet. But, so. but do const- you yeah. know, having relaxed in that environment, you find you get a bit of inspiration, a bit of. I, don't I think know. it's important to give thanks. Yes. I think it's important oh to be yes. Grateful. Yes. And uh, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's important to be grateful, and you know, it's um, it's it's interesting what your mind will will, will come up and be grateful for, mm. and. Yeah, you kind of just let it happen. I don't talk random words or I don't speak things. Some ideas will form clearly in my mind and then yeah. I, will, I say them. But I often think I don't pray enough. I only do about five minutes, if even. Uh, do right. should, I mean, should I do more or should I do Probably. less, Father? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, what am I doing wrong, In father? what sense are you calling me Father? <laughs> well, that's, that's the joke, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah quite. Yeah. <laughs> But is it, it's if it fits yeah. you, you know, one of my little tricks for the confirmation students when, when we're talking about prayer is I say to them, what's, what's the best thing to send? A birthday card you've written yourself or a birthday card that you've gone into a shop and bought? Most uh, people uh, probably say written yourself then, do they? Well, perhaps I, perhaps I say Valentine or something like that. But, okay. but you know what I mean? But the idea is, what is, is a homemade thing that's technically not very well finished off, more valuable than uh, than something that's brilliant, but is actually something all you've done is picked it off a shelf and written your name on and, and passed it. Yeah. You know, and, and you can argue, yeah. and, and prayers like that, really. And what, is what you do any less valuable for you and for the people you pray for than, than my 20-minute no, office, as it's called? The one thing I never do, yeah. actually, interestingly, is I don't ever pray for myself. Right. I only ever play for the people because for me, if I'm praying for myself, the idea in my brain is that it's, or my head, Mm-mm. is that it's somewhat selfish. Right. If there are problems in my life, sometimes I, you can ask for the strength to deal with those things. Yeah. And ask for guidance. But I never say, God, give me this. I've never, never done that. Yeah. Because I don't believe that's what life is about. No. But I ask for God to do things for other people. Yeah. But there will be a time, there are times in life where you're asking for yourself in order to to not be gr- greedy but to actually benefit the the other people and and and, and to, because you're that stronger you're more able do you know what i mean yeah so i mean to ask that you become more generous and more patient with old folks like me uh, is <laughs> Is a legitimate thing. Okay. It's not so not in the same category as asking you might win the lottery. Yeah. So do you think I should pray for certain things more for myself? Well, uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. I not think sure the. I mean, the church always encourages us to put a, a little bit of a, a prayer of confession in, to our our pr- private prayers, and so and you, there you're praying for yourself, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you're wanting to be a better person. 
for the sake of others. Well, when you do that, do you not console with yourself? Because like, uh, you know, if you're if you're praying, asking, you know, what you're saying there. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Is it not a, a way of consoling with yourself? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Mm. Which is not, not, not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. I mean, no, it's again if it's casual. if it's part of an adult emotional system. Something that I've always wondered, and this is just a really casual question because we're coming near the end, but it's it's a real thing that I've always wondered. Mm. At grad masses and stuff, right? I notice my Catholic colleagues never say, "Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever." Amen. Right. Right. And in the Bible, when Jesus says the prayer, I don't think he says that. No. So why do we tack that on the end? I go, I think it was probably it was quite fashionable when when the Protestant churches broke away. I, I, I'm not quite sure because actually, if you look at any Protestant service, a Church of Ireland service in the old books. The Lord's Prayer is said twice because yes. they didn't have any hymns in those days, so they had to have something that people could join in with and enjoy saying. So they had the Lord's Prayer, but whenever it happens, wherever it's twice, the first time it is the is the long version, and the second time is the yes, uh, is I the short. I noticed version. that on Sunday with the long with the old not on this Sunday, but the the Sunday before when you were acting as lay reader and you did the old service form. Yeah. And you did the Lord's Prayer twice, and the first time you did for thine is King, and the second time it wasn't there. Yeah. But even then, I still heard a few people go for thine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know, yeah. that's just one thing I do like about being a Protestant compared to the Catholic to the conferred the Catholic region is we say things because right there's a book right and yeah. you can choose to say these things or not I've been to mass two or three times yeah and they just do it like it's automatic yeah yeah I, I don't like that I, I mean, I'm not saying I don't like the religion but I would worry about any congregation who is led without thinking and responds without conscious I think that and, and some people would say how dare he but you know when the priest goes and they go there's no way People are yeah. mantra. It's mantra. They're saying it back. Uh, yeah. Or do you think I'm being a little bit, um, <clears throat> a little bit kind of high and mighty there? No, I think you're being very Western European post nineteenth century. Okay. Uh, they are, they are, because Catholicism. The idea that <laughs> the, the idea that that what the individual understands and what the individual thinks is the most important thing. You see, the people who have set up the system, you're you're questioning. They would say it's more important that you're together, that you're in solidarity with those other people, and you're doing that. You're trying to do the same thing. You may not be thinking about what you're doing, but you're trying to do bravely a good thing with those people. That is enough. Okay. Uh, now that now, that's not to say there wouldn't be Catholic priests who would say, "Well, they're, they're no, I agree with you. They're wrong. <laughs> they're wrong." Yeah. But mm. but but you see, our society is based on consumer choice. And has been for a long time. The freedom of the individual, mm. you know, is a sort of what, 1700s, 1800s slogan started out. But in, in, throughout human history, there's been as much emphasis on belonging and working together and moving together uh, and loving together and, set, and seeing that as the first priority. So that's why just standing there and gabbling is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. Mm. But it does bother me, it does bother me as a religious teacher of any kind, that it's to think that there might be people who are pretending to have learnt what I'm teaching them. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and that, that. So there is such a thing. Remember, Jesus Christ's pet hate word was hypocrite. That's pretender. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, so it is, it is an issue. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
hang on, I'll find you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah you have to chop it around a bit. Yeah, it's a fully anti-climactic. Yeah, no, but uh, that's like... Yeah, what are you going to do with the pixelosses? Well, we have so are you going to have pixelations of my mouth? Then you do this last one. Please, video of mine.